1: navigation system. Please say a command. On. Ignition. Powered. Seatbelts. Fastened. Shift.
0: Drive. Twin City sports fans, hold on tight. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is The Ride with Royce.
2: He's going the distance.
1: Uh, Nikola Miritich continues to work out with the Chicago Bulls at practice, but he has so far refused to engage Bobby Portis in any way. Hmm. Bobby Portis, of course, punched him and broke two bones in his face on a post-practice scuffle on October 17th. Right. Do you think, you know, I didn't realize this, but there really is some symmetry here because that's my birthday, October 17th. (laughs) Okay. Right? That's my birthday, October
0: 17th. Yes, it is.
1: That's the day that Bobby Portis punched, attacked Nikola Miritich.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Broke his face. Punched him. Uh, And at this point, Miritich has not wanted to be in the same locker room as Portis, even though he's back Uh, In the at the facility. Sure. So he's kind of been hanging out, staying away from Portis and they're putting pressure on uh, Pax, John Paxson, the vice president of basketball ops and uh, is putting a little pressure on him. It's incumbent on Miritich to be around more. And Portis, he said, I'm here to play basketball and I would welcome him with open arms if he wants to have a conversation. Uh, but uh, Miritich is uh, not yet healed from the wanton attack. Well, I was going to say, has he played attack yet? that came out of nowhere, right? right? Mm-hmm. They were having a little altercation. Uh, and I was reading this story, and I felt like Nikola Miritich being how, how so? punched for no apparent reason, being punched. Might as well have broken my face. No. Uh, Mackie. (laughs) A guy that I nurtured. Yes. Nurtured.
0: You raised him as a pup.
1: Yes. Treated him with much more respect than he deserved, right? (laughs) When he was my young partner, right? And uh, yesterday, out of nowhere, the Gophers beat Providence. Hooray, hooray! Yeah, we are all
0: lauding them hooray, on social hooray. media.
1: Well, apparently, this guy, kind of like Portis, has been waiting for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. By the way, Miritich is his rival, right, for the playing time. Right? They play. Oh, okay. Play not, power forward. Okay. A, okay. okay. I did position. not know that. So he, uh, you know, he attacked him, and out of nowhere, the Gophers beat Providence. Nice win. On the road. Number 15. Yes. Quality opponent. Having a good year. Suddenly, in my timeline, appears... uh, Now, I didn't get his attacks on you, Reavers. I only got the ones on me.
0: It's... Okay. Well, what's funny is I sent out a tweet... Upon the conclusion, said, "Hey, really nice win. That's something uh, to be impressed." Right. Okay, I go take care of the boys, get them to bed. Sure. I come back downstairs, a father, a father. Twenty-five minutes later, I come back downstairs. I look at, my, I'm like, "Why do I have forty-five notifications uh, uh-huh. on social media?" <laughs> and then I say, "Oh, Phil." <laughs> so Phil went back. Now he goes
1: back two years, and you basically were calling for his firing, right?
0: For Patino, absolutely, hundred yeah, percent. Okay.
1: Well. He went back and tried to go through my timeline to get my patino shots mm-hmm. right and there are shots in there but he can he'll never find me saying fire him because I never said that uh but I did so what he has in my timeline or or in the, in his uh timeline is a tweet from me saying. Richard uh, Richard Pitino says uh, they're taking ownership of this, and and then I said, uh, and the ownership is we're loud, we're proud, and we're horse bleep.
0: Right? <laughs> was and it was in well, the middle of the Northwestern well, debacle. It was. Yeah.
1: So apparently, this appears, and I guess unless you look at the tweet. You'd think it's recent,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Unless you look You have at to look at the timestamp. Yes.
1: Well, it was from February fourth, two thousand sixteen. So, I looked and I said, I, you know, I obviously can't remember that tweet. So I looked it up. That's night. That was the week that Richard, on his show, which Phil used to host. Said that they were taking ownership of this. Right? Yeah, we all agreed. We're taking ownership of this disappointing season and we're resolved. Mm-hmm. And then they lost by 26 to Northwestern uh, that night. Mm-hmm. 84 to I remember that game. 80, maybe it was 80, 36.
3: That and night. that was pre NCAA tournament Northwestern. Yes. They had never, yeah, this at was that, that point, Northwestern, no, Northwestern never. had never made no. the NCAA tournament.
1: So. I feel like I got punched in the face by a teammate. Blindsided. By a teammate. Yes. Because, now if he'd said, as my old teammate wrote, <laughs> this is what my old teammate wrote in February of 2016. Different then story. I, it's okay. Sure. But you needed some context, right?
0: Well, absolutely. Yeah, Because you get lost in the middle of it. Uh, that's right.
1: So, um, uh, But, you know, a, a tiny, but I did respond, like, Miritich is not talking to Bobby Portis. Right. I blocked
0: Atta that. Atta boy. Atta Man, boy. And <laughs> he
1: ain't getting off probation. No. I don't know what he'd have to do
0: to get back you in know my what this good was? Twitter graces. You know what this was? What? This was bilateral leg weakness, <laughs> trees at Target Field, yes. and Ponder getting married right. before a game all in one tweet. Yes, that was, except those were... Harmless attacks by strangers
2: generally. This speaking. was a teammate.
1: This was a teammate punching me, not in the face, but in the groin area. Yeah, really low kicking blow. Me in the it was area. a kick in the groin. Um, it was a kick to the groin. And
0: yes. Now, the best part about this entire uh, scuffle was, uh, I believe, around 1230 on the Mackie and Judge show when the silent agitator producer Dave Harrigan mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> threw together the question, wondering on what scale is Phil kind of a, a punk, you know, a scale of yeah, 1. Right. To, I think it was a scale of 1 to Justin Bieber was the was the mm. measure the, the measuring stick. Yes. And that was when he said, "Phil, why don't you pull up Royce's last tweet?" Latest tweet. And Phil said, "I don't
1: think he was aware yet that he'd been blocked." And
0: Phil said, "I'm having a problem with my Twitter account." And Dave said, "No, you're not. <laughs> Pat blocked you."
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I I think, you know, Nikola Miritich is being passive mm-hmm. aggressive. Yes, and I am too. <laughs> That's right. Although is blocking a teammate passive? Probably not. It's aggressive. It's right.
0: Well, but if you don't really address it, well, I guess you are on the show. Mm-hmm. It might. Well, it is. It's and I guess, the
1: other nasty thing he he managed to tweet out that I tweeted two years ago was bad mouthing the non conference schedule, which I don't know what that has to do with anything because they had a bad non conference schedule. Even last year, right?
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, if I really wanted to be aggressive, and I'm contemplating this. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. But I had a thought that you could do a little this day in Gophers history. Then you could go back to the (laughs) 2015-16 season. uh, South Dakota State, such and such. South Dakota, you know, Minnesota, such and such. But I don't think I'll go. It's, It's not. Rutgers, it's not Ru- Rutgers. Yeah, it's just, well, <laughs> eight and twenty-three, worst year in the history of the basketball. We could program. find some moments. One hundred and twenty years. One hundred and twenty years. That this was the, the worst. That
3: last to choose from.
1: But nowhere in there he can search. But nowhere will he find me calling for him to be fired. Now, Eric Kaler would have fired him. There's no doubt about it. If he didn't have the big buyout. But uh, anyway, I'm uh, I'm an innocent victim in all of this from a teammate. And it will, just like Nikolai Miritich, it will not be soon forgotten. Tim Yoder is with us, Viking Update. Okay, I heard Teddy from Zim yesterday. Am I just reading things into it, or what's your guess?
2: You know, you are not the only one <laughs> that, that has come back at me when I said, I uh, gotta believe it's Keenum. Uh, I think some people read it one way, some people read it another. Here's how I read it. I think the Vikings would love to get Teddy involved very soon, but I also think that the the way Keenan played, especially in the first half on Sunday, makes it awfully difficult for them to, to go away from him this week.
1: And I was thinking after I after my first hot take that I heard Teddy that Okay, you play Keenum this week. You play him in Detroit, and then you got ten days to uh, decide whether you're going to go in a different direction. As uh, you know, maybe they—I don't know if they want to bring Teddy back to play twice in five days. Would be uh, the part of the thing I would think of too.
2: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and you know, the other thing, the other argument against Teddy, um, you know, in this Rams game. I mean, think back. What was it, 2015? Uh, I think when you know Zimmer was so upset with the Rams, and I, I totally understand it's a, a completely different coaching staff yes. now. But you know, they they took a, a run at Teddy when, yes. when he was uh, going down uh, sliding. That Zimmer was not very happy with. And uh, you you look at how much emotion Teddy had on the sideline on Sunday coming back. I think it makes sense to work him back in gradually
1: plus if Aaron Donald lands on you you could be in trouble and he's the he's the best there is so uh that's that's a thing to think about what's your uh what's your Rams take are they good or uh not quite as good as everybody thinks
2: I think they're good not great and I say that you know they Robert Woods has been great in the past couple of weeks he's got four touchdowns uh, over the past two weeks Todd Gurley is a fantastic running back. But when I look at who they've played, uh, you know, they haven't really come out with a huge win against a a real quality opponent. They've blown out several teams that aren't very good and, uh, you know, have a win or two against a quality opponent, but haven't really dominated anybody. And so I think, you know, I think Vegas, from what I've seen, had like a two and a half point. Uh, the Vikings is two and a half point favorites, and I think that's pretty fair given that they're playing at home this Yeah, year.
1: and it is, uh, you know, the NFL certainly can be chaotic, but it's uh, when a team is improving by this many games, it's sometimes a, uh, it makes you uh, question it. Now, I did point out to somebody that, if they actually turn this around, this could be the second coming of uh, the Kurt Warner going to the Super Bowl team that came out of nowhere, right? Uh, at the, you remember the Rams? They were terrible in St. Louis, and the I think they were four and twelve, and the next year they were great.
2: Yeah, you know, they've done that, but I think it also shows you how much coaching matters. I mean, everybody wants to talk about the superstar players in this league, and you know, this this terrific running back, this explosive receiver. But, I mean, you look at, at the difference in, in this Vikings offense from last year to this year, you look at the difference in the Rams offense from last year to this year, Pat Shermer being the difference this year for the Vikings, Sean McVay for the Rams. You know what? I think it's time to realize that Jeff Fisher just wasn't a very good head coach. <laughs> and, I mean, they what the Rams have done with Jared Goff and the turnaround from his year last year to this year is incredible. He's looked great this year and so I coaching matters let's just let's just put it that way. everybody wants to to think that it's always all about the players but schemes and coaches matter for sure.
1: All right, I was uh, talking earlier today uh, Joey Browner, very good safety. Paul Krause a lot of, intercepted a lot of passes, even though he didn't tackle p- too many people. I think Harrison Smith's the best they've ever had back there.
2: I think he's the most complete they've ever had back there. I mean, you—if you go back and look at some of the the incredible hits that Joey Browner put on people. Yes. I mean, first of all. Those wouldn't be allowed. You'd have to take away about 60% of his. Yeah, the horse collars would have gotten him thrown out of the league. Yeah, he he would have been done suspended, especially (laughs) under Roger Goodell. Yes. But, you know, you you look at at Harrison Smith and and the range that he covers in defending the pass and how he comes up at the line of scrimmage to defend the run. I mean, he's a spectacular all-around safety, and he fits exactly what Mike Zimmer wants to do with his defense it's 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 a really good marriage there because harrison is such i mean he's so talented athletically but he also has a great feel and understanding and film study of the game that i think it's it's a case where zimmer just absolutely trusts that whatever he wants to do from one play to the next with harrison he's able to do it and you know harrison has talked time and time again about how much he loves this defense because it doesn't pigeonhole him into one role.
1: And uh, if I'm uh, coaching the Washington Redskins and I'm down to my last gasp and it's third and one and I see him come up and stand in the hole, I'm going to I'm gonna audible out of that and run something else uh, instead of run right at him because you're going to then be fourth and two.
2: Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, also the, the Redskins, I think, really would have benefited by having Jordan Reed available. For yes, that that's game. true. I mean, you look at... Uh, at how good Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks have been this year, Kendricks was not very good on Sunday. I think that was the worst game he played this year. He missed some tackles that he would usually make. He uh, he, he slipped on a wheel route that, that gave him a first down on about, you know, it was a short pass that ended up being about a 30-yard gain. Um, you know, you face this Rams team this week with Todd Gurley. And those are your two key players for the Vikings that have to have to step up their game against the Rams.
1: Biggest shock with this team this year is uh, not Case Keenum playing quarterback and winning games. To me, it's uh, uh, the offensive line. Because if we go back to August, uh, Riley Reef is not playing. Mike Remmers is, uh, you know, nothing to write home about. We got a couple of uh, ex-centers playing guards. And uh, then you got the rookie playing in the middle. To have this line turn out to be this
2: good is amazing. It, it is. And you. when you talk about going back to August, we didn't even think that Pat Elfline was going to be the starting center. At that point, it was kind of, is it going to be Nick Easton or is it going to be Joe Berger? And where does Elfline fit into the whole thing? And, you know, I was just thinking about this. How many times during training camp Mike Zimmer was asked, you know, how quickly do you want to decide on your starting offensive line? And his answer was, well, as soon as we can. And all of a sudden they come out in the regular season opener and it's not really the interior that we thought it would be. It's not, it's not the same people we thought it would be at center. Um, so, uh, And then I look at, at what they did in Washington. I thought that was an unbelievably well-played game by the offensive line. And the athleticism of Elfline and Joe Berger getting out on some of these wide receiver screens and blocking five yards downfield—it's um, it's a completely different offensive line from last year. And then you look at the move that they made at, when uh, when they had to make their final cuts to the roster, and Alex Boone—you know, a yes. guy that just uh, has this physical, nasty, old-school attitude. And you think, well, in, I realize Boone didn't have a great year last year, but he just simply didn't fit the style that they wanted for this offensive line. And and uh, it, it's been an amazing turnaround that they've made. Have
1: they had a clunker yet?
2: The offensive line? Yeah, the
1: offensive line.
2: I don't really think so. I mean, if you look at pass protection alone – Case Keenum actually leads the league in the lowest percentage of sacks per pass attempt, per, per dropback. He's only been sacked, I think, uh, 10 times this year, which is one of the best in the league. I think Drew Brees is, is the only other one that's lower than that. Um, I should say, I think it's the Vikings have been sacked 10 times overall this year. know, um, yeah, it's, it's really been a, a pretty good offensive line. I think they've improved in their run blocking as well. And, uh, you know, you look at what Dalvin Cook would be able to do if he was still behind this offensive line. Um, Some of the runs that Latavius Murray has had for 7 to 10 yards, I think Dalvin Cook would have been bringing those to the house for 60-yard touchdowns.
1: Jimmy Otter is with us. Uh, So uh, you were there to see the Saints come in here and stink it up in the opener, stink it up the next week. What in God's name is going on there?
2: Uh, I think two things. I think they realized how to play defense. Some yep. of their younger players are coming on. And I think that uh, Sean Payton has started to realize that a balanced offense is much <laughs> better than an offense that just absolutely relies on Drew Brees to chuck it down the field. So I think with uh, Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram has been a really nice tandem at running back for them. And it, it, it keeps teams off balance when you're not just thinking, oh, they're going to they're gonna pass it again and again and again. All of a sudden, they end up running the ball more than they're passing it, and and uh, you know defenses aren't really sure what how to load up against that.
1: And uh, a lot of people say, "Why did they ever sign Adrian Peterson?" We should remember that they drafted Kamara in the second round after they had signed Adrian Peterson. It was not, you know, they didn't have both those guys. They didn't know they were going to have Kamara then, so that might be part of the
2: explanation. It still didn't fit, but no, <laughs> it's it, not as horrible it as it
1: looked from a distance, you know.
2: Yeah, no, I, I that I I didn't think it was a case where Adrian Peterson wouldn't find a team, but the team that he found <laughs> made no sense to me.
1: Yeah, well, and it seems like he went to the first place that offered him three million bucks, which was yeah. instead of saying ah, there's got to be a better fit than this. All right, Tim. Hey, uh, this as uh, as this, this team you've been covering them a long time. As they are they as uh, pleasant of a surprise uh, in a positive way as you've seen.
2: Yeah, I think just from all the things that we've talked about, I mean, even Mike Remmers, I was very skeptical about how good he could be at right tackle and he's been very good for them. Um, the offensive line in general, I was, uh, you know, I didn't think they would make the turnaround that they made, especially as quickly as they did. Um, Thielen's been terrific. Uh, Keenum has really fit what they're looking to do. Um, you know, you lose Dalvin Cook and Sam Bradford, if you would have told me that at the beginning of the year, I would have thought this was maybe possibly a 500 team, but no better than that. And, um, you know, they, they've just found ways to do it. And I think a lot of the credit has to go to Pat Shermer and what he's done with this offense.
1: Tim Yotter, uh, you can follow his uh, Viking coverage, which is excellent, on VikingUpdate.com. Thanks, Tim. All right, thanks, Patrick. All right, uh, Tim Yoder. He does a great job. One of the many people out there covering the Vikings and doing it in fine fashion. Johnny Height with a sports update. Thank you, Patrick. This
4: update sponsored by Concordia University Online Learning. Get on track to a successful business career with Concordia University St. Paul. Learn online or on campus. Learn more about their business degrees at online.csp.edu. It's a day off for the Vikings, and they'll resume practice tomorrow. They get ready to play the Rams on Sunday. Uh, of course, Coach Mike Zimmer yesterday said he knows who's starting at quarterback Sunday, uh, but he's not going to let us know until tomorrow, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or Case Keenum. None of
0: your business, John. Do
1: we know he's going to let us know tomorrow, or he is he said just going to tell the team? He said he was going to tell the team. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's make a good the, point. Will he you make never the team? keep it quiet? You good, never so. know. You know they gotta decide whether they want a mobile guy that they're gonna defense or a guy of our poor old Teddy. So they might uh, might have a leak in yes, the locker room. You yes, never know.
4: Yeah. Uh, other Vikings news: the second Willie Beavers era is already yeah, over. Was,
1: uh, <laughs> you know what, though, Johnny? This could be one of those deals where they they bring a guy in every other week. They uh-huh. they like to do that. They work out a guy for a week and teach him stuff, and then they. Release him, and Willie could be back next week. He's Don't a, bet against it.
4: He's a guard, and uh, he's been released from the practice squad. And they signed rookie safety Jack Tachko. second stint on the squad for Tachko too. Taken by the Vikings in the seventh See,
1: round. See, that, that, that Spielman's a tricky fellow, thinking, huh? <laughs> he's always thinking.
4: And the NFL announced its nominees for the 2017 Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award today, and for the Vikings, the nominee is defensive end Brian Robinson. The award created in 2014 in honor of Steelers founding owner and Pro Football Hall of Famer Art Rooney Sr., the winner will be selected by a vote of current NFL It is interesting
1: that Art uh, is being honored by the NFL since he got the money to buy the Steelers by having a good meeting at Saratoga as a gambler. (laughs) Uh, Gambling money. Uh, I did not know that.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
4: Three UCLA basketball players detained in China on suspicion of shoplifting are on their way back to Los Angeles. Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott said the matter, quote, has been resolved to the satisfaction of the Chinese authorities. Freshman Leangelo Ball, Jalen Hill, and Cody Riley were detained in Hangzhou for questioning after allegations of shoplifting last week before the 23rd-ranked Bruins beat Georgia Tech in their season-opening game in Shanghai. Ball is the brother, of course, of L.A. Lakers guard Lonzo Ball. The rest of the UCLA
0: team returned to Los Angeles last Saturday without those three. You guys did read uh, why this happened, right? As I uh, t- told Pat the other day, uh, the Sports mm-hmm. Pickle was chronicling this event, yes. in which they said Levar Ball accepts Leangelo's execution as part of <laughs> deal to license Big Baller Brand in China. Well, he did leave.
1: He did leave yes. Leangelo. Uh, in whatever city they got caught. Yep. and went to Shanghai so he could run his pop-up Big Baller store. <laughs> well, hey, I, kid got and an eye the slammer. I got an eyewitness. I got an eyewitness to uh, to confirm that. I have a friend who was over there at that game. family
4: is something else. Mm -hmm. A man has to have priorities. That's that's right. right. (laughs) Minnesota Wild are at home tonight. They are playing the Philadelphia Flyers at the Excel Energy Center. Uh, Charlie Coyle, he hadn't been on the ice with Wild teammates in four weeks and five days. He did skate today. Of course, he had the uh, broken leg. He had broke his right leg October 12th. Had surgery involving some hardware. He told reporters today, quote, I'm bionic now. Coyle said he skated on his own yesterday and once last week as well. And while the initial diagnosis was six to eight weeks out, uh, he wouldn't put a time marker on his recovery.
1: And schedule. other big talky news. Sarah McClellan uh, makes her debut as the Star Tribune's new hockey writer. Really? Tonight. Yeah, she brought her in from Phoenix. She's a Canadian by birth, which means she knows something about sure. hockey. And I guess she just decided that the Coyotes' Stanley Cup run wasn't enough to leave her or keep her in She fun. needed to follow a real <laughs> yes, team. Yes.
4: She needs some heartbreaking is what she
1: needs. Yeah. yeah. There's no heartbreak in Phoenix. They just stink. Right. You
4: know. And the Twins apparently are taking an aggressive stance to open free agency, according to John Heyman of FanRag. Uh, mm. Pitching, John says, they're going after hot and heavy. He yeah. said, okay. Twins I've... I've covered these meetings. <laughs> he said the Twins <laughs> front office is at least... Looking at you, Darvish. And so Jake. you're saying he's sitting at his uh, computer, going, "My God, make I got to come I up gotta with come something. something. I got what? What is it? Anything?
1: God, <laughs> covering those winter meetings back in the typewriter day, man. <laughs> God, at six o'clock, I haven't had a drink yet. <laughs> I got to make up some room. You're there. looking at a blank
4: sheet yeah, of paper. <laughs> <laughs> says, "No tw- wonder you were a chronic
2: drunk."
4: <laughs> <laughs> says the twins are looking at you, Darvish and Jake Arietta with a slightly higher evaluation for Darvish. He also says they're looking at the best relievers available, including
1: Wade Davis and Greg Holland. I think my suspicion that I might have had a drinking problem came at the uh, Executive House Hotel in Chicago. Right. And, uh, one morning that uh, uh, I'd written my morning stuff and then came, sure. you know, for the morning Pioneer Press. And then we would, you know, try to write it in the afternoon. But you had the, the afternoon stuff when you got back to the hotel room. Mm-hmm. But it would... You had to squeeze in a few hours of drinking, and I, I got the 6 a.m. wake-up call, and I remember my head was on the typewriter when it came. It was like oh, right yes. on the typewriter, right right across there. And as it, the phone's ringing, I'm saying, please, God, have me have written at least five, six paragraphs here before I fell asleep. Looked up, and said, bye, Pat Ricey. Dispatch Sports Writer, (laughs) Chicago Dash.
2: (laughs) 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 And
0: and it was C-H. Oh, hell, where are my notes? (laughs) Now, see, my favorite wake-up call story is, were you in New Orleans? Is that where you were for that wake-up call? Yeah, that was New Orleans. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Come on, you gotta finish it. We've
1: all been there. Oh, uh, 7 30, and state. they said, I'm sorry, sir, it's a quarter to eight. Said, <laughs> you of all
0: right. people shouldn't be laughing at that <laughs> No, that's why else. it's something to aspire towards. That's yeah. Right. Uh, I'll right. get there one of these days. I was I think back, luckily, that was back
1: though. when you could change flights. Yes. yes very <laughs> easily. <laughs> Just called in and said, Yeah, I called the airline. I, I might not with... make that 9 31. Uh, <laughs> let's let's try her this afternoon. <laughs> I think that was, we're done. Yep. Sorry. We're done. Hey, Manny Hill. You have a lot of give and take with Timberwolves fans on Twitter. You kind of,
3: uh, you got a lot of, uh, I have, you got uh, a
1: lot of Timberwolves fans. Have you heard from any Ricky fans today. Have you seen anything in your timeline? See, it's,
3: it's hard to gauge because I've refrained from tweeting during games okay. the last uh, so, so few you games have, you just you because. Haven't, you
1: haven't gotten in on the give and take?
3: Not really, but I have noticed that the I miss Ricky Rubio tweets and we shouldn't have traded Ricky tweets – we're not, have uh, have decreased significantly in the last two weeks or so uh, because Ricky has been god awful. And I
1: would guess last night they probably really decreased, right? Uh, yeah. as, as Teague uh, did anything he wanted to and played extremely well, and uh, Ricky had another terrible night. Yeah. And I don't think it's you know I like Ricky. I I, I do too. Fun to watch in the open court when they can get it running. I'm not sure that's that's what doesn't make Utah a great place for him, but. I did hear last night. I don't know if they're last, but they're close to last in shooting percentage. Utah in the yeah. league, in the league and it's not a coincidence,
3: right? Yeah. I mean, th- I mean, they didn't
1: have there's no way you can't beat them last night with Gobert not playing, right? Right.
3: Well, the problem that Utah has offensively right now is I mean, obviously they lost Gordon Hayward in the offseason. They lost George Hill in the offseason. Like George uh, Hill was a better fit for what Quinn Snyder and those guys want to do offensively because they want to. Everybody sort of shares the ball. There's It's not yes. one guy that has the ball in his hands all the time and wants to distribute. But they're and short that's what of Ricky shooters. wants to do.
1: They're short of shooters. Now, they are right?
3: short of shooters, and they didn't have Joe Johnson. You know, they haven't had Joe Johnson for a bit, and they're they're kind of missing him. They miss Hayward. They miss George Hill, and you know the the guys that they have still. That are usually good shooters for him were not shooting well last night. Rodney Hood, Joe Ingles. Yes. they. Joe Ingles was awful last night. Just mm-hmm. brutal on both ends of the floor. Yeah.
1: I I, when they when Utah played him here on opening night and uh, played him pretty dang well, uh, mm-hmm. Rodney Hood was terrific. Now, didn't he sprain an ankle or something? He in got there? hurt in that game, yeah. yeah I think that first back. game against no, the Wolves, but, yeah. Uh, he was really good that night. They had a hard time guarding I,
3: him. But, I'll tell uh, you who I like, though, in Utah. That ooh. Donovan Mitchell kid. Oh. Okay. That rookie from Louisville. Mm hmm. He's. He's he's uh he's a little undersized. For What's his guard, shoe deal? But... Is he eligible? I was just gonna ask. <laughs> is he eligible? Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if he's eligible. Yeah, I wonder how Coach Patino got. Are him. they a playoff but, team? Utah. Utah. No, no, no. no they did no, early on. It looked not when, when Ricky the, was playing well. It looked like they might be, but if they not keep playing like the this, Pelicans,
1: they won't be. Uh, starting to figure out what life is about, and Denver's better than them. Memphis is not as bad as anybody thought. It's uh, there's there's ten or eleven of them, don't you think they got yeah. a shot?
3: Oklahoma City hasn't played well, but you no. got to think they're oh, going to kick it in gear pretty out. soon. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be tough. What, for Utah. what, what if
1: that? Uh, what if that turns into forty five wins?
3: Oklahoma City. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, there's no they, they, there's, they, there's you, nothing you gotta, that say it, it won't. I mean, you,
1: you got to bring those guys in. You bring those guys in and only win fifty.
3: Yeah. 48? That's not Then that means Paul mind, George is probably going to be gone and Carmelo and, uh, will probably Carmelo opt out. And opt out yeah. What's the uh, what's the line going to be to make the postseason? Is it 45, nah, 50? A I higher, think in the West, yeah, you're, I think you're probably looking nine. at somewhere between 44 and 48, 49 wins. Don't to get like, throttled uh, by Golden State. Yeah, in you, yeah, you
1: got to get a 7 seed. Uh, they had uh, Windhorst on today and he said, you know, this team's goal should be to get the four seed and Play at home? Yeah. The Timberwolves, you know. They're them. on,
3: right. well, right now they're on pace for 50 wins. Yeah. I mean, they, it's early, uh, but. And he,
1: it, pointed, and he pointed out, even though Butler missed two games, they have let two bad ones get away, you know, yeah. Phoenix, and then uh, what? which one at home? Indiana at home. Indiana. Indiana
0: at well, home. that's what those I was going to ask.
1: Those are two you got to win. With yeah. the
0: expectations built in, has this been a disappointing start? I'd say, it's been a, uh, I'd say it's been
1: a—I'd say it's been about uh, acceptable. I'd say it's been yeah. acceptable, but it hasn't been—
3: But they need—they need—there there are some guys that they need to play better. Like, they need they need Butler to play better. And I mean.
1: it's funny, Wiggins is kind of finding out now what it's like not to be the guy, you know, because uh-huh. Butler is now the butler. When Butler announces he's going to take more shots— that means Wiggins is going to take less shots, right?
3: Yeah, somebody's going to have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: yeah,
1: so so it's uh, you know Wiggins only had what eleven last night or something. Had eleven. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't. You know, if he doesn't, if that doesn't bother him, then it's then it's okay. But and if, if it bothers him that he's not getting his twenty shots, then then what do
3: we do? And that and that's where you have to look at somebody like Andrew. And if he's not, if he's only going to get eleven points on. Mm-hmm. Nights like last night, okay, but they need him to do other little things. They mm-hmm. need him to play his better defensively. His rebounding has been a little better. Yeah, his rebounding's better. I mean, the rebounding stuff hasn't bothered me as much because if if Taj is grabbing ten and Towns is grabbing yeah. twelve and Butler's grabbing five, then there's only so many. There's if if. If everybody's scoring on you because you're not defending well, then there's only going to be so many rebounds to I for think, people to get.
1: I think it's a team that's got a a good month or six week run in it, though,
0: where they're going to play good.
3: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: I don't know when it's going to be,
0: but you know, like
1: those, what, like a
0: thirty and ten or yeah, something
1: like that. That's you don't play that many games there, no. But I mean, you know, fourteen and four or something like that. Okay, and, mm-hmm. you know, I think they got something like that in them. But the schedule hadn't been that salty yet either, and so eight and f- eight and five is probably the minimum of what you would want at this yeah. point, too, So, all right, we shall be back with a interesting. This well, there's never an uninteresting. That's right. Day yes. his- today in history, but this is an interesting today in history.
4: Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now, this day. In
2: history, Patrick.
1: Give me one second here. What the heck? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? I hope you're happy. All right. On this day in 2006, it was the last, November 14th, 2006, it was the last day for the pig stands drive-ins in Texas. Why is that important? Why is that important? It was the nation's first drive-in restaurant empire. Oh, really? The restaurant owners were bankrupt in 2006. They owed the state of Texas $200,000 in unpaid sales taxes, and they closed them down. A Dallas entrepreneur named Jesse G. Kirby built the first pig stand along the Dallas-Fort Worth Highway in October 1921. It was a roadside barbecue restaurant like unlike any other. Its patrons could drive up, eat, and leave, all without budging from their automobiles. People with cars are so lazy, Kirby explained, they don't want to get out of them. <laughs> Curry lured these ca- ca- car-attached customers with great fanfare and spectacle. When a customer pulled into the pig stand parking lot... Teenage boys in white shirts and black bow ties jogged over to the car and hopped up onto the running board, sometimes before the driver had even pulled into the parking space and took his order. And guess what? That's how we got car hops. Oh, sure. Because they got hopped up there. Soon, the pig stand drive-ins replaced the car hops with attractive young girls on roller skates. Because there are no dummies. But the basic formula was the same: good-looking young people, tasty food, speedy service, and auto-based convenience. The first pig stand was a hit, and uh, they became a empire in the South. Apparently, I bet that was yeah, good. One hundred thirty pig stands in nine states. Uh, kind of gone the way of the happy chef though, right? Yeah. Uh, that wasn't an indoor, but the happy happy chef started uh I think in Mankato. Mm-hmm. That one's gone now too, right? Yes, one it's of gone. the last ones. Uh, but the pig uh, on this day in 2006, the pig stand went out of business. And I'm sad I never went to one. Oh, I bet that I never was good saw eating. one. Fantastic. Uh we'll be back with uh three technique.